Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen problems in their home. This is Melanie Hempy and Dr. Stacy. Welcome, Dr. Stacy. Thanks for having me. You're back. I'm back. Here I am again. <laughs> we love having you. We get so many wonderful comments. We're just so excited and we just want to welcome everyone. We're so glad that everyone is joining us today. If you are one of our regular visitors, welcome back. And if you are a new friend, we're so glad you found us. Today, we have a wonderful topic. And I I would say it's, well, maybe wonderful is not the right word. What do you think? I think (laughs) it's um, timely. Timely. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Important. Yeah. I mean, we're just so thankful to have you on today to talk about this and to help partner with us, bringing all this wonderful medical information about the topic of screens and school. So Dr. Stacey, I have to tell you, I don't know if you've heard the story. I just have to tell you that my first experience with the screens in schools um, happened way back when my oldest, you know, Adam was in school when he struggled so much with gaming and I was so confused about what was going on because we simply lost control of the game um, in ninth grade when they issued him a laptop in high school. So you can only imagine my struggle that I had had all of middle school with a gamer who had lots of um, interests, but gaming just was becoming more and more and more his thing. And I couldn't get him off the computer. And we were having so many arguments at home and I was setting the kitchen timer and I was doing all these things. And then the first day of ninth grade rolls around and they give him his very own laptop. Like it was the worst thing that could happen to us because I was already struggling, you know, managing everything. But then all of a sudden he had his own like handheld personal screen. I mean, at the time, you know, I wouldn't have called it a handheld back then, but it was, it was portable, right? So that portable nature was what the problem was. So I was walking down the hall one day in the school, in the high school, I was headed straight to the counselor's office because I couldn't figure out what to do. I, I, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure you get patients all the time that are like, what do I do? And, you know, you're sitting there like, well, it's obvious you got to kind of get rid of the thing that's causing the problem. Like that's one place to start. So I was, had an appointment. I was walking down the hall and I was going to talk to the counselor and um, did talk to her that day about what to do. I was so frustrated and he was staying up at night late. And every time he said he was doing his homework, he was playing video games and the whole thing. So I'll never forget walking down the hall and, you know, picture in your mind, the cinder block high school walls, you know, where you have the classroom doors and you have the lockers and the terrazzo floor. And all these boys were sitting in the hall, their back was against the wall (laughs) and they all had their laptops and they were just sitting on the floor with their laptops. Every single one of them were playing video games right? in the school. Like, I don't know if it was a break. I don't know if they were in between something. I don't even know. But I just remember that so vividly. And it was like Call of Duty. It was back then. It was, you know, all the army games and everything. I was just stunned. And and by the time I made it, I just looked at this counselor and I turned around. And I'm like, do you know what's going on in the hallway? I'm like, they're in school. And she nodded and she said, yeah, we don't know what to do about it. And I'm like, boy, that was the beginning of mm-hmm. real eye-opening things for me. What a bad idea. I mean, putting a laptop in a kid's hand in school, I just, there's not too many things I, I, that, that are, are worse than that. And from my perspective, it was so hard because we were already struggling so much. And as y'all know my story, we ended up, I ended up working with a counselor after Adam Um, graduated. He went to college. He dropped out because guess what? He kept playing video games and came back. I came back to the school and did some meetings there. And we just had so many people attend those meetings because everybody was struggling. And then when my daughter went to college a few years after Adam, she actually had professors that banned laptops in their college classrooms because the kids weren't paying attention, of course. And, um, I think out of five classes, she had three classes, she said, where she couldn't even bring her laptops in. So this has all been a huge learning curve for our whole culture. 
And I want to just address some of the questions that we've had in our Facebook group and on our forum about this. But before I do, I just want to go over just a couple things about some things that we do know. Feel free to jump in on any of these things. I just randomly jotted down a few things to get started. So first of all, no teacher can control what 30 kids are doing on a laptop, right? They can't. Absolutely not. And you know, it's interesting, Melanie, because I teach a high school class. So I teach one section of high school psychology and my students are ninth through 12th graders. Um, And that's given me some great insight. And I'm so thankful that I have that opportunity. Um, And I have a pretty small class, but you you cannot control what, what 30 kids are doing. You know, there's all these people that look at it and try to figure out how to set kids in the class where the teacher can kind of have control over mm-hmm. or like watching them. It's just not possible. And no teacher wants to do that. No teacher wants to spend their time making sure kids aren't on, you know, some random game site that they shouldn't be on. Yeah. You'd have to sit, you'd have to stand in the back of the room to see what's happening on their laptop, right? If you're the teacher. So how can you even do that? How can you teach? Because if you're standing in front of the room and they have their laptops up, you can't see what they're doing. And I know they have software and I get it. And and you can see on your screen, if you're the teacher and you have the little Brady Bunch looking grid that has everybody's, but who can teach while you're trying to say, okay, Johnny in row three, seat two, you know, you're playing Fortnite, stop. I mean, you need like an air traffic controller to deal with that while you're just trying to teach. I mean, we might as well just throw a um, huge vat of like candy and soda and stuff in the middle of the room too while we're at it and just like really push these kids as far yeah, as we just have at it. Yeah. Well, the second thing I wrote down was that every kid will be tempted to hunt for anything, shop, scroll, chat, watch movies, play video games. How can they not? It, it's like a bee flying around a bunch of wildflowers. How can the bee not go to the wildflower. It's right. They have all these tabs open and they've got multiple things going on. They're messaging the person in the front row They're They've got all their YouTubes up with the volume down, or they have the headphone things and the ear things in, and they're listening to all these videos and doing all this stuff while they're in English class. This is all happening right. while they're in English. The third thing I wrote down is that, you know, kids don't use screens the way adults do and they never will ever until they're an adult. That's so right. it's just, why do we keep trying to think that this is a good idea? I don't know. Um, back before they issued laptops, this was, you know, actually before smartphones even came out when my son was in high school. But before they did that, they used to have laptops on a cart in the hall. And when they needed to look something up, they would get the laptop, they would do their thing, and they would put it back on the cart. And that seemed to be working really well. So I don't understand why all of a sudden now they had to bring them all out in the classroom. Um, Research says that kids who are on laptops all day do worse in school. Do you have any statistics that you can share? If, If not, we have a bunch of stuff in our resource section on our website. If you go to resources and there's a section there for schools. Well, and two, I think just as parents, um, or if you're an educator and you're listening to this, or an educator and a parent, that that makes sense. I mean, there's the there's common sense around that. It's just sort of like if you have a child that has a smartphone, or you have a child that has their own tablet or laptop. How many times do you have to tell your child something before they hear you, right? right. And right. so they're not able to learn as well. They're not able to focus. We all know from talks we've had over, you know, the years about multitasking is a myth, you know, they can't, their brains can't be two places at once. Right. Um, And so of course they do worse. Um, And we'll talk Mm -hmm. some more about that. I think later on when we're talking about specifics in the classroom. Yeah, we will. And, um, but like I said, you can go to um, our website under the resource tab. And if you scroll down, there'll be a whole section on school screens. And I also wrote down the next thing I jotted down was that kids who actually sit behind kids who are on laptops do worse in school. They get lower grades because they are distracted. So what your child is doing on a laptop is not just affecting him or her. It is affecting the people behind him to the side of him in the study and science direct, if you go and, and look in there, that study is in there. It, it has, it, it just shows the statistics of what happens 
when um, they're getting distracted by what's going on in the screen in front of them. And we know this is true just from our adult brain. If you're in a conference and you're trying to pay attention to the speaker and you look up and someone is shopping, you know, for shoes on Amazon, that's very distracting. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. so it's like secondhand smoke. Um, It's very distracting. So you have to think about not only if you think, you know, if some parents may think their child can handle it, their child can multitask, which we know they can't, but you got to think about what's happening all around them. When they're playing Fortnite in math class, that is distracting everybody around them, not just them. So I think we have to be really aware of that. The next thing is our podcast number 117. We had a math professor on who said that every student in her class who chose to have their laptop out during their math class failed her class. She said she hits to this day, and I'm still friends with her. She said to this day, she, uh, the kids who come in to say, cause she tells them in the beginning, you cannot use your laptop in this class. And if they choose to sit in the back and use it anyway, she said they will fail the class because they can, the way she teaches, they have to write all the problems out on paper. She said, it's just very impossible to do math to really understand math if you're not writing mm-hmm. it down. And doesn't that make a lot of sense mm-hmm. just from a cognitive standpoint? So the next thing is that kids get out of firewalls. So, you know, Dr. Stacy, I don't know um, how your school is set up, but our school is set up where I think a lot of parents have a false sense of security, thinking that their kids are not going to be able to get out to certain sites while they're on campus. And this just is not true. Mm -hmm. They get on proxy servers. I didn't learn about proxy servers until I had high school kids. (laughs) And then um, I went to talk to the tech guy one day because I wanted to find out exactly what his job was like. And he said, oh, yeah, every morning I come in here and I get a whole report of all the proxy servers. He said, there's new ones all the time. And then I get a report of where everybody went on what they Googled, what sites they were on. And so then I have to, you know, call them in here and then we have to discuss whatever, because our school is pretty strict about this stuff, but that's just ridiculous. It's just such a full-time job. But a proxy server is um, like a gateway to Google that they can get on or to a search engine that they can get on, even if it is, uh, you know, even if the school itself has blocked YouTube, for example, or something, Mm -hmm. it's like a it's a way out. It's, I don't know how else to explain it other than that. I don't know if I'm doing a very good job. Yeah, it's just a way around it. And you know, this is the thing we have to remember is that um, adolescents' brains are at the peak of learning. And so they can learn super easily how to get around yeah. all of these. Yeah. I mean, we've all been teenagers and preteens. I mean, they, it's like with anything else, they'll figure out a way around yeah, it. Yeah. And I, and I want to also just tell everyone in the audience to just, Think back for one second about when you were in high school and what would you have done on your laptop, right? I mean, what, I mean, there, no, we're not talking about kids being bad kids. We're not talking about um, really anything that unusual. What would we have done? Just right. think for a second. I mean, our kids are kids and they're, nothing new is under the sun and their brain is not gotten any better. I think I hear this thing all the time. Well, we have digital brains now. I'm like, no, we don't. We have regular brains and they're still kids. And just because we are in this digital age doesn't mean that evolution has changed around the brain, right? Our brain is still created the way it's created. So I don't know why we are expecting kids not to get on proxy servers, not to Mm -hmm. get on the workarounds and to figure out all the ways around that you can get on a certain app and get on the weather app and get out. You can get on Google Translate. In fact, Google Translate is a proxy server. So there's a lot of things that are allowed. Um, this brings us to our next thing that we're going to unpack here, uh, in a minute, but I just wanted to mention the cheating. So there is so, there are so many opportunities to cheat when you have a laptop out. And then now, of course we have smartphones as well, um, sitting probably on the desk right next to them. And it is just way too big of a temptation. It's, it's too big of a temptation for anyone, not just a high schooler. It is too hard for them. And we're going to talk a minute um, about how the cheating happens and how devastating this is and how serious it is. And then the, I mentioned here on my list that I had is the cognitive load. And so when a child is in school and they're trying to learn something new and they've got the teacher in 
front of the room and they're trying to explain this. Maybe they've been reading something and they're on the board. That's heavy. That's a lot of information coming at them at one time. If they're going to really concentrate and not be distracted and not try to multitask and they're listening and they're listening, this is what we call a heavy cognitive load. It means that the cognitive part of your brain, frontal cortex is trying to engage and it's hard and it's heavy. So what happens when they are on a screen is so much of that cognitive energy is taken up by managing and navigating and clicking and getting distracted by all the elements on the screen that it becomes way too heavy. And and the way I describe it when I'm teaching a class is that it's like real estate. So much of their cognitive part of their brain, so much of that real estate is being used up just to figure out the screen, if you will. Mm -hmm. And very little is left for actual learning and processing. So that term cognitive load is something that I think we all need to try to understand that This isn't some parenting opinion out there or just some choice. It is a real problem. It is a real scientific problem um, with how the brain works. And and finally, I'll just end this little section with reading the book Screen Schooled is a must. If you have kids in school, it is so important to read this book because the authors go through a day in the life of a teenager in school. And it would just shock you what this book is amazing, Melanie. And but I will give a warning to parents. Yeah. If you are not around the like high schools very much, it it's it'll make you a little bit anxious because I think a lot of parents don't realize yeah. what that's like. And I love how these authors like go through the day in, in, you know, like a day in the life of a teenager, because if you are, if you were a teenager pre-smartphone, you have no idea what it's like. I mean, you might see little glimpses of it, but this book is a must read. I mean, it is, if you work with teenagers, have a teenager, will someday have a teenager. I mean, it is so good. I highly recommend it. And even if you are um, homeschooling, you still need to read it. It doesn't, I mean, it's either, if you have a school-age child, um, but we've had Joe and Matt on the show um, before, um, so we'll put those notes in our in our notes here in the podcast. So I want to just start, Dr. Stacy, with a, a, a post that we got in our group. I'm going to read a couple of these today because I love it when people come in and they ask questions, and I just love being able to use their questions and just kind of help everyone with the answers. So this is from one of the moms in our group. I'm looking for advice and insight regarding how to manage a school's use of technology at the middle school level with regards to homework. My two middle schoolers come home from school and immediately ask for a computer because, of course, their homework is (laughs) managed on Google Classroom. Any research that needs to be done for papers, accessing the social studies curriculum, and the list goes on and on. Of course, they get sidetracked very easily from doing their actual homework. And often I find them instead on Scratch or whatever. Also, the school encourages the use of video games for studying purposes, which is super frustrating to me. Why can't children learn to study from an actual book or their notes or any other way that children have always been studying for decades? Has anyone ever successfully told the school no more and requested all homework be done on physical paper or in the form of physical books? Um, she said earlier this week, I saw my daughter playing one of those video games and it was supposed to help her study. And it was a tipping point for me. I immediately took the computer away and told her to study from the book. (laughs) It was a mean mom move, but I had had just enough looking for wisdom and experience. How do you manage this? What are your points on here that you can make? So I want to real, we're going to go through some things, um, about, about this in particular, but I want to just say that it's your right as a parent. I strongly believe this mm-hmm. to go to your child's school and start with the teacher. If you don't get anywhere with the teacher, go to whoever's next, you know, the assistant principal, the principal, whoever, depending on your school and just tell them my, my kid can't learn this way. And I, we can't do all of this online learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, tell them about screen strong and have them come look at the website and read the research. And uh, I guarantee you that most of those educators will agree with you that yes, we can do it better in a different way. But if you really have a kid that struggles, I think it's, I think it's your right as a parent to say I to agree. the school, 
you know, I'll help him whatever way I can, but we can't, our kid can't use the computer. Now, that being said, they do need to use the computer for some things. They need to learn how to use certain programs on the computer. They need to learn how to make a slideshow. They need to learn how to do research. But, you know, a lot of that can be done on paper first. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a lot cheaper and a lot, you know, takes up a lot less space to have textbooks that are digital. Um, but time and time again, we've seen, you know, research show that kids learn better through paper and paper. writing and, you know, actually seeing, turning the pages and reading it in a book. So, um, I agree with that. And I know that one of mine had um, actually a lot of struggles in one of his topic, in one of his subjects, and we switched over to the textbook. It made all the difference in the mm-hmm. world. It mm-hmm. was day and night. And even for the first day when he started using the textbook instead of the screen, he would just make these comments to me like, oh, this makes so much sense. Like he was reading the content and mm-hmm. he could remember where things were on the page and it just imprinted in his brain. And I just know from working on a lot of the material that, that we work on over here at Screen Strong when I'm writing courses and I'm writing all of the articles and stuff, it's, I got to print it out. I mean, yeah. I, I just have to when print it out. About the way that a memory works. If you don't know a lot about memory, there's some great books out there about um, learning about memory. But if you think about it, when you're, say you're reading a textbook online, it's sort of like an endless page, right? Right. When you're reading an actual textbook, when you go to do your homework or you go to take a test on that, um, on that information that you've learned, your brain can go back and sort of see where those words were on the page or see the, the chart or the diagram or the image sort of on a particular page. And so it actually really helps and to be able to write on the page or highlight, especially if, you know, your kids have a book that they can write in. I mean, there's all these things that you can do to mm-hmm. help them if you have an actual textbook. And I so- don't even know how they, I mean, I know you write, you know, essays and you do your outlines and all that, but just because of what you just said about the endless kind of scroll, at some point you have to print it out and just lay it all out on the table and just look and say, okay, right. I mean, this part should come before this part and this should come over here. And that's hard for me to do and much less someone who's in high school or middle school trying to learn this. So the first point is just the lack of learning that's going on. There's yeah. That's so frustrating for them too. Right. And so, you know, this use of screens for learning instead of like paper or textbooks, this sort of gamifying of learning, we know really doesn't work. And so there are some sort of video game type programs that schools use. And so like one in particular I know is called Prodigy and it's a math program Mm -hmm. that a lot of schools use. There's really not a lot of evidence behind programs like that for actually helping your kids learn math. Um, That's interesting. You know, I think it's fun for them and they like the video game aspect of it. And so like a few minutes of it here and there is not like harmful in a sense, but it's really not contributing to an increase in their ability to learn long division or whatever it is. And so, you know, there's this other idea about imprinting. So when you write something with a pencil or a pen on paper, your brain um, learns that in a lot of different ways. So it learns it by seeing what you're writing. It learns it by feeling your hand move in the shape of the letters, by the way it looks on the paper, by the way it sounds to you as you're saying it to yourself, as you're writing it um, and versus typing it, which is just so fast and it's just the same motion over and over again. And so we have to sort of remember that kids need to actually write with their hands. And a friend of mine was telling me that her kid it goes to a different school than mine here in town. And that I think it was a first grader was taking their spelling tests on an iPad, which was so, um, <laughs> I don't even know what the right word is. It, um, sad to me because yeah. these, like a, a first grader's handwriting still needs so much practice oh my gosh. and so much yeah. work. And so that, yeah. in itself, you know, and I think a, a lot of that comes out of the pandemic, you know, when these kids were, learning at home, we kind of had to get in survival mode and do what we can do to survive. But we're back now. Most schools are back and things right. are 
back to how they were. And some of those things have kind of stuck around. So I want to I want to parents to feel empowered to talk to teachers, to talk to administration about limiting screens for learning. And also this thing about the handwriting that's so critical is that when you are typing notes in a classroom, you are more than likely trying to get every single thing the teacher says. You're writing them verbatim, which is not how you learn. You're not learning. So when you're handwriting notes, you're paraphrasing, you're Mm -hmm. way more engaged. Right. The neurons in your fingers, just to hold the pencil or pen, so many more neurons are firing. So many more areas of your brain are engaged and you have to think about what you're writing because you're writing now, if you're typing, you can kind of not think about what you're writing because you're just trying to get like a court reporter. You're just trying to get all the words down. And I've seen time and time again with their friends when I talk to moms about this, that when they can handwrite their notes, they do so much better on their mm-hmm. test um, mm-hmm. just because of exactly what you're saying. So what about this whole idea that kids just aren't studying anymore? You studying anymore. You and I were talking about this recently. Well, like I said, I teach a class yeah. and so I get to experience this firsthand. Um, you know, and I had a big talk with my students recently about studying and what is studying. And it's interesting because they don't know what that is anymore. They don't make note cards. They go on this website Quizlet and they make these digital note cards, but they don't physically like write note cards out. They don't know how to do mnemonics. They don't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, actually sit and study. And part of that is because generations previous, you had to learn so much more because it wasn't readily available to you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you had to actually research more, memorize more. I mean, just think about something as simple as phone numbers. I mean, when mm-hmm. I was a kid, I probably had 30 phone numbers. memorized. Yeah. You didn't want to go hunt down the phone book every time you wanted to call somebody. So you yeah. had your friends, your family, you know, people's phone numbers memorized. Now kids don't memorize. They don't study like they used to. And part of that is this sort of constant distraction. You know, I mean, there's the music and the TV and the video games and, you know, all the tabs open and the texting and all these things. And so they can't ever sort of get um, in this sort of flow of studying and they don't know how to study. And so there are a million great resources out there to teach your kids how to study. Um, but it's work, you know, I mean, that's the thing, like kids have to know that, that studying is work. And a lot of kids are like, well, why do I need to know that? Because I can just look it up. And so it's talking to them about, you know, the value of knowledge and, you know, um, becoming a lifelong learner and how important that is to, you know, sort of your success. And it's just working out your brain. It's giving your brain a a mental workout. And what you just said, I highly want to highlight and underline learning is hard. There's no way around it. It is hard work and we keep trying to make it easy and it's not easy. Right. It can be fun and you can enjoy it, but it is hard work. And I think in our age of convenience with an app for every single thing out there, we just keep wanting to make everything easier and easier and easier. And the bottom line is it's hard and it's, it's wonderful because once you learn something, you feel good about it and that light bulb goes off and you get that dopamine and we're just robbing our kids of all that when they are just relying on a laptop. Cause like you said, I don't think they memorize anything anymore because you can just Google it or look on your phone and it's there. You don't have to dig for information anymore. You really don't hardly have to research anything right. anymore. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that's important to talk with your kids about, and especially if you're an educator to really work with kids on memorizing, you know, make them memorize a poem or, you know, learn how to memorize things or really how to research and dig into things because it really gives the brain a good workout. Yeah. So talk about cheating. Yeah. So the, the really, the elephant in the room, right. Is cheating. And uh, if you have like middle school, junior high, high school kids, ask them, this afternoon, after you listen to this, ask them about cheating at their school. And I bet you'll hear some really interesting things because um, I don't know how it was for you, Melanie, when you were in school. But when I was in school, if you cheated, that was like a huge deal. And you were like, you know, that was a major no. And now mm-hmm. cheating is just like, well, they, they just cheat. I mean, people just cheat. That's what I hear. I mean, it, they just do that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of that comes from 
when things get easier to do, they become more accepted. And so there's so many ways now to cheat. I mean, people are cheating on, you know, college entrance exams and they're cheating. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's because it's so easy. So, you know, one thing I had um, a friend of mine tell me that her daughter, who's a really good student, was in a test and um, one of the her friends was in that same test and texted her a picture of her answers from across the room and asked, are the, is this correct? Mm. While the test was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in a school system that allows phones in the classroom, please speak out because mm. there should never be smartphones or, or camera, any kind of camera enabled devices, watches or whatever in a classroom, especially during testing. Mm-hmm. So that's something to talk to your kids about. You know, another thing that kids do is they, put, um, you know, notes and study guides and stuff um, in their watch or in their like notes section of their phone or, you know, somewhere where they can just swipe and it'll show up on the home screen. Yeah. And then while they're taking a test, they just pull their notes up and they just look through their notes. And they don't think it's cheating. No, they don't. They're just like, well, I mean, you know, it's no big deal. And um, there's so much cheating that goes on. And then, of course, the big new thing is chat GPT. So schools right now are really trying to figure out how to navigate that. Explain um, that. I don't know if everybody knows what that yeah, is. Yeah, so chat GPT is AI. And so you can go into chat GPT and you can ask it anything. Like you can say, write me an essay from the level of an average 12-year-old uh, English student um, about... Um, Harry Potter's second book with such and such themes. And it'll craft an essay to do that. Um, And, you know, uh, likely what schools are going to have to do is go back to having kids will have to do all their writing like that in the classroom and not at home, because you can take those essays, you can put them back into chat GPT and ask it, is this one of your, you know, is this AI produced or is this an original, but it's not always correct. So we had, um, a principal at a local school do that with some papers that he knew were not produced through chat GPT. And uh, at least one of them, it said, yes, we think this is. So it's just, um, you know, and I saw recently a country somewhere the other day I saw on the news bandits from their Mm. country Mm. Um, with good reason. I mean, you know, there's just, uh, the, it's like with any technology, you know, there are good things, but you have to really be careful about it. I think it's interesting that you said they're going to have to start, because I've heard this too, that they're going to have to start having kids just handwrite their essays in class. Mm-hmm. But you know, what's fascinating about that is they have not been handwriting anything for so nope. long. How now they're going to have to go back and kind of get used to that and learn how to write. I am not kidding. There's so many kids that don't know how to write that, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. And so if you haven't been practicing your penmanship all the way through elementary school, now you're in middle school, you're expected to write an essay. What right. heck, how, how are you going to do that? So now you're behind mm-hmm. and now it's going to take much longer to do the task. It's going to be much harder. It, you know, now your cognitive load is going to be really heavy because not only are you having to think of the concepts that you're trying to write down, now you're going to have to write it down. And now, you know, if you've been doing that since first grade, that's one thing. But if you've been on an iPad since first grade, then you're kind of stuck. It's going right. to be very difficult. The other thing, um, the first thing that I learned about cheating in schools was when a group of um, teachers realized that some of the students had gotten through a whole semester of math on photo math. And I don't know if you know what that is, but it's, Oh, app. I do. <laughs> There's many out there and you literally take a picture of the math problem and it gives you all the steps and the answers. I'm like, it's just that easy and that quick. And so mm-hmm. I was. And chat know, GPT will do that as well. You can type in a word problem in chat GPT and it'll t- tell you every single step of how to solve it. Well, the photo math app, when I saw this happen, like I couldn't believe it where you just literally take a picture of the math problem and it, bam, it comes up with all the steps and everything. And this teacher I was talking to was just devastated because she said, we just had no idea because he kept, he wrote it all out. Like it, it, he had all the steps, but he was, you know, they, they realized what he was doing with photo maps, math. So there's just so many things out there. So the point is 
There is no way that a teacher, a school system, even a parent, there's no way that you can chase this down. It's impossible. So the only solution really is that you have your kids use their screens for very specific things. And then you shut those lids and they do the next thing. You can't manage it on the screen, if that makes sense. It, it, there's too many wormholes, you know, that they right. can, they can get out. So let's, I want to um, go back a minute to that first uh, post that I read. Um, how do you recommend and how do you do it in your home? Because in my home, I know we've gone through lots of uh, ways and we finally figured out some things that work when kids come home to do homework. Cause she's talking about this struggle. They get sidetracked, you know, cause they come home. They're like, well, I have to do my homework. So I have to be on my computer. And this is what happened when Adam got his laptop. It was so frustrating because he kept saying he was doing homework and I, and he, and he maybe started for a half a second to do the homework, but then he was off playing his video games for the next how many hours that I thought he was doing his homework. And back then I did not sit with him like I do with my younger kids. I actually sit at the kitchen table with them and um, I bring a book <laughs> because mm-hmm. I, I can't even be really in the kitchen doing stuff because they'll get off track. I mean, seriously, I, I, I just sit with them. And I think it depends on your kid. You know, I mean, some kids are um, just generally uh, have an easier time staying on track. But for most kids, I think uh, not the answer most parents want to hear, but you have to sit with them while they're doing their work. So you believe that, too, because I thought it, it was just my kids. Yeah. And sometimes it's really frustrating because for example, like my, I have twins and they're in the seventh grade and they had this big project in history this year where they, you know, it kind of lasted most of the school year where they had to make 75 slides about different things in history. It was a great project. It was sort of learning, you know, um, how to dig a little deeper into some historical topics, but 75 slides, you know, at even 10 Mm -hmm. minutes, slide that's 750 minutes you know that in front of the screen and so it gets really frustrating but I think that you can learn too you can learn how your kid learns you can learn how they process you know finding information and putting it in the computer and um, and if you have a kid who has an online um, project or an online learning but that can be printed out print it out you know and print it out sit down have them do it then you can go back in and we've talked about this before on a previous podcast about writing papers or doing research writing down like an outline and ideas on paper first first and then going to a specific website to look that up whether it's like encyclopedia britannica or whatever, not google you know like a specific right. website to look up information right. Um, right. and you as a parent kind of knowing ahead of time some some ideas for where they should go to look things up whether it's like the history channel website or um, you know some sort of specific place or if they're doing an animal research you know the closest zoo they usually have great websites zoos do that mm-hmm. have a lot of information about animals and so really kind of figuring some workarounds you got to be a little bit creative as right. a parent but I think it really you'll learn a lot about your kid in the process well and you'll learn a lot too because yeah. you you're going to be doing homework again That's right. <laughs> with them and so I think it's really um so some of the tips we've talked about is sitting down you know to do homework with them or at least be present while they're doing that. And and most of the reason why you want to do that is to keep them on track because they will not mean to, but they will start clicking on other things. They'll look up something, they'll get a link. And then all of a sudden there's some tennis shoes that look interesting that they're going to click on all the ads and everything, you know, they're flying by. The other tip I have for this homework thing is to keep paper out at all times. So it's handy. You don't have to go look for it. Just keep some legal pads out or just keep some blank paper out and pens. And so just with all their homework, like you just said about even starting an essay, start it on paper, just start it out on paper where you can get your outline done. Mm -hmm. And that works so much better than trying to start everything from scratch on the screen right away. When you know, kids learn by um, example. And so I think by teaching them to do that, you're actually helping them significantly in the long run. Because when they go to have to do all this on their own, when they're um, out of the house or in college or whatever's after high school or even in high school, 
they're going to have that pattern where they start everything on paper. And yeah. that's going to be a lot um, better for them when it comes to their you know, sort of study process and learning patterns and things. And we have invested in the note card company because we have <laughs> note cards all over. I get big old double stacks of note cards. We use those a lot. That works really well. And one of the teachers at our school really is big on that. So it kind of started with that class. But then we realized that that is a wonderful way to learn, to start taking some of this stuff off the screen and getting it on a note card. Uh, it's really easy to study. Um, I did want to just interject before I forget that, you know, when I was coming through this with Adam many years ago, I really thought that he was learning so much on his screen. And so for all the parents out there that really think this, I just want you to, to try to think of another um, tried, tried to understand that there, there, he may not be learning that much on his screen. And the day that I, that, that hit me the hardest was when he was a senior and, um, he'd had this laptop since ninth grade. Okay. And I was having some kind of problem with outlook on my, um, email and I called him over to help me. And do you know, he did not know the first thing about outlook. And I thought, wow, you have spent four years with a laptop glued to your body and you don't even know how to work outlook. You know, it made me realize that I thought he was getting so smart, like learning all this coding and all this stuff that he told me he was learning and he couldn't even do his email. (laughs) It's a huge misconception. I mean, and not, we're not blaming parents, of course. I mean, it's sort of the what we were sold, right? That yeah. my kid's going to do all these learning apps. They're going to learn all this stuff. It's not. It's not really the case when you really dig into it. That's because, right. You know, if there is a learning game or a learning app. The kids aren't drawn toward the learning <laughs> part of it. They're drawn toward the like, let me get more coins, or let me get to the next level, or let me yeah. figure out how to get around, you know, this or that, or they figure out. You know, there's like a even there's like a typing game that kids do. And it's like, you get, you can race your friends and typing, but they figure out workarounds where they're not really doing the typing. That's right. Working the game so that they get to the next level. And then they don't know how to type. And that was a whole big thing that I realized that gamers don't know how to type by the way. Um, So that's a whole nother thing that they're not doing on their screen. So you just have to keep remembering that learning is not by accident. You're not going to accidentally learn something by being on some kind of math video game. You're just not, it's going to, and the more they love it, the more they're probably really not learning anything. I know as parents, we want to believe, Oh, they're learning so much and they don't even know it. Uh, no, that's not, that's not reality. Um, learning is hard. It's like being able to say, well, I'm going to watch a YouTube video of someone running and that's like me getting a workout. No, (laughs) not getting a workout. So the second post we're, we don't have a ton of time left, but, um, the second post, I won't read the whole thing, but it was about a mom who was writing because her 14 year old was starting driver's ed and he was in with 40 other kids from all these different schools. And they were depending on his phone, the teacher in there, and this was driver's ed teacher. So it wasn't one of the normal teachers that he had, you know, was trying to get them to get on their phone and do all this stuff. What, what would you recommend? I mean, would you just say ahead of time when you sign your kids up for stuff, just say, Hey, look, uh, my kid doesn't have a smartphone. I mean, she's even talking about when they went to lunch, they walked to lunch and everybody had to have their phone to get the directions to where they were going. And I immediately just thought, Oh my gosh, that's so sad that they don't even know. Like, are they? Are we going to give them directions to go to the bathroom? I mean, what is next? You know, well, you know. I'll say, Melanie, I've I've lived this because I have a almost seventeen year old, and yeah. she does not have a smartphone, and I don't feel bad about that. And um, yeah, you know, this is the thing: is that you're if you choose to be countercultural, regardless of what that is, and for what we're talking about, that's not having a smartphone when you're you know, learning how to drive, yeah. um, there will be obstacles. But yeah. what you're doing is teaching your kid how to manage difficult situations yes. and how to be different from everybody else. Yes. And I'll be honest with you. I love this situation for my kid. <laughs> you know, I don't want my kid to be like ostracized or I don't want, you know, I'm not saying that I'm like um, enjoying that they're being left out, but I think that I've said this a million times having your kids face challenges when they live in your home is one of yeah. the best things you can do for them because yes. they're going to um, face challenges from day one, the minute they leave, 
from living under your roof and you need to teach them how to manage that. Um, But I would say something to the instructor. Like I instructed my daughter when she was in ninth grade, she did not have a phone at all when she went to school. If they said something about you need a phone for this or you need to put the such and such app on your phone, I would say you need to talk to the teacher. You need to talk Mm -hmm. to them. You need to say our family doesn't do smartphones. I need a way around this. And they're going to, they're going to do that. And I guarantee yeah. you, if this kid would have gone to talk to that teacher, that yeah. teacher would have been like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. every teacher is tired of teaching distracted drivers how to drive. <laughs> and, you know, and so yeah, anybody that works with teenagers loves it when those kids aren't staring down at a screen. Yeah. And so I, you know, and the woman um, who wrote the mom who wrote this said, he's 14 years old and I feel so sad for him. Don't feel sad for him. You know, you are giving this kid an amazing opportunity to grow his brain, build character. And yeah, he's going to be a little bit different, but you know, there are things that make all of us different. And I think Mm -hmm. that it's really important for us to build, you know, um, strength of character in our kids. And one thing my boys remind me all the time is that middle school is the hardest. And um, on one of the latest podcasts that Andrew was on, one of my sons, he's, he told a group of parents, he said, look, you, you think it's just going to get harder and harder, but it's not. By the time you get to high school, nobody really cares anymore about like your friends. Like they're not ostracizing you. In fact, they kind of think it's kind of cool. It's not like it, it's not like it is in middle school. So this child is only 14. He's probably still really hung up on that middle school vortex that they're all in where you just feel completely ostracized. <laughs> you know, Andrew just reminded me that it does, it does get easier when you get to high school. It, it like people are over it by then because they still don't have a smartphone. In fact, as we were preparing for this podcast, I was, um, I got a, a call from the piano teacher and um, this is so timely we were just, it was right before you got on the podcast today. And I looked at my phone and it had the piano teacher's name and I answered it and it was Andrew. He was in a piano lesson using her phone. <laughs> and I, I thought, Oh yeah, that's right. That, you know, it just kind of caught me because I thought the piano teacher was calling me, but it was Andrew. He forgot something. He needed me to bring something by or whatever, which of course, you know, teenage brain. But I thought, you know, he doesn't even bring his gap phone into the high school. It stays in the car. So mm-hmm. we happen to, and this is a wonderful tip. One of their study halls is when they do their piano lesson, the teacher goes over to the school. This is the most amazing thing. I know for everybody listening, you're thinking, oh my gosh, that's the greatest idea. And it maybe can't always happen that way. But I just want to say something about study halls. Study halls are not study halls anymore. All right. No, this is just a cross idea is to put your kid in a study hall. Say that again. Say that again. The worst idea is to put your kid in a study hall. There's no studying going on in a study hall. I'm here to tell you. No, there is not. Um, If if there's just one thing that you get from listening today, I think it's that. I think don't allow your kids to do study halls anymore. And you can say, oh, but my school, they have to do it. It's in the schedule. And you say, okay, fine. Well, what we're going to do instead of study hall is A, B, or C. You come up with something else, whether it's an elective like when our situation, we have them do their piano lessons, then it is a beautiful thing not to have to do piano lessons after school. It's beautiful. <laughs> it took me so many years to figure this out. But yeah. study halls are where all the stuff happens and nobody is studying. And I know that maybe you're listening and you say your kid doesn't. Okay, fine. Yeah, whatever. Um, but That's great if you have a kid that can ignore all that and study. That's awesome. But I'm just... Yeah. The typical kid, it's too yeah, hard for them. It's too hard. Yeah. So get creative with the school. Start thinking about this even now. Think about it for sure, but you know, for the next year in the fall. But even now you can make some changes right now and just they could they can do anything. If they're just running laps on the track, that would be better than sitting in study hall trying to not get distracted by everybody playing Fortnite and getting on their phone and watching stupid YouTube videos. Okay, so um let me look at the third thing that I had. Um, okay, this one was really funny. If I ever win the lotto, one of the first things I'm going to do is create a school where students who attend do not have cell phones <laughs> and have limited access to um, electronics. So this mom is, I love that statement, actually. Um, 
She said, when we really analyze our kids' screen time problems, it all goes back to their school. They, the, and it goes on and it says they claim they have homework and then become the masters of sneaking in the YouTube games and all the things that we've been talking about. But I really believe, Dr. Stacey, that this, is, this show is really important today because out of all of the things that, that are happening in your house and all the things you're trying to manage and the games and the phones and the social media, the problem is at school when they go to school and they get the Chromebook and they have the iPads and they have all their phones are allowed. Or even if your kids don't have phones, everybody else has got their phone. So what is your encouragement to this mom? Well, um, I, you know, you can only control what you can control. Well, that, and you know, part of the problem is that kids are at school more than they're at home. Yeah. And so I love the idea of, you know, making boundaries at home, the things that you can do at home. But I really think if you feel strongly about this, you really have to talk to your school's administration. Yeah. And I'll tell you that I teach at a school and my kids go to a school that does not allow internet enabled devices during the school day. It just doesn't. Mm -hmm. And you know, something interesting, I was at a conference recently in Minnesota and something interesting that they're doing is they're going to have parents sign, um, a letter of informed consent, just saying that if you send your kids to school with an internet enabled device, you have to understand that we are not monitoring that. And so your kid may be on something they shouldn't and also maybe sharing that mm. with another student, mm -hmm. which can get your, your student in a lot of trouble. And so really think twice about doing that mm -hmm. um, as another sort of measure to talk to parents about not doing that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's important too to talk to sports teams, to talk oh, to yeah. schools when it comes to field trips, you know, when I, when I'm in the car driving on a field trip, um, cause our school doesn't have buses. And so parents do the transport. Yeah. There are no phones allowed in my vehicle and the kids know that. And we talk about it. And on a separate note, recently, my twins had their 13th birthday. And so we had a birthday party. And as I do with all things, I sent a message out to the parents beforehand and said, thank you so much for sharing your daughter with me for these two hours. But just as a reminder, we don't do teens and smartphones. And so please just have your kid leave their phone at home. Yeah. And all the kids did that, which was great. And I had two parents talk to me the next day and say, you know, thank you so much for that because my kid came home like talking about how much fun they had. And I know that they weren't experiencing that through a screen. And so that's part of the thing about school. Like when right. these kids go to lunch, they're not sitting around playing with each other. They're sitting there on their phones. Yeah. And at the schools where that's not happening, you've got 11th and 12th graders like playing kickball during right. recess, you know, during right. lunch, because they're yes. not, they don't have phones. Yes. So they're sort of, you know, spending more time in real interaction. Well, I remember recently we were just chatting on a, on just on a call and you told me that out of all the issues, this was the biggest issue for you, that you wanted to put your energy behind getting smartphones out of schools. <laughs> Absolutely. It's my number one thing, because I don't yeah. think that parents and educators realize the extent of the effect that it's having on our students. Right. And especially now that I'm in the classroom, I can see it because we, we don't it. allow it. You know, I don't allow computers in my classroom. I don't allow, you know, smartphones or watches right. or any of that in there. And you can see the difference Yeah, because, well, you know, either they're taking a nap because I'm boring them or they're listening, you yeah. know I mean? They're not, you know, on their phone searching yeah. stuff. Um, and so it's a huge issue that really needs to be addressed. And more and more schools are getting on board. They are getting on board and they're getting our course where it was so excited about all the bulk course sales yeah. that are going out with the, the parent course. And we then we're need just parents to encourage the schools, because what I hear when I talk to schools and administrators and school boards is they say, well, we really want to do that, but there's too much parent pushback and the yeah. parents want their kids to have their devices, you know, for numerous reasons. And that's, you know, a subject for a different podcast, but I, parents, you need to speak out and you need yeah. to talk to administrators and let them know that you're on board and you don't want your kids staring down at a device either. 
And just like that family, those those moms that thanked you for not allowing the smartphones during the birthday party, it is such a relief because you know, gosh, okay, my kids are really having fun and they don't have to worry about keeping up with the phone. And that's how I have felt for the last, you know, however many years, at least the last um, four years of high school where we decided the boys were not going to have a smartphone and they had a gap phone, but they leave it in their car. They they don't bring it into school. And to me, I I have such a a relief feeling of knowing that they are truly experiencing the school day without the distractions. They are getting to know the teachers. They, they have so many more relationships with the adults at our school. And I love that. Um, and I do think a lot of it is because their head is not down, even in between classes or whatever. Now, um, we actually have a smartphone policy at our school. If you don't have a smartphone policy at your school, ask your school where it is, what it is, who's writing it. Can you be in charge of it? We have, um, I believe on our site, if not, I can put it in the show notes, samples of smartphone policies that you can suggest for your school and samples of policies that just say no smartphones during school hours. We did this for a number of years. We're so excited to get it passed in our school. And then most recently, two years ago, they added um, that there were no smartphones allowed during lunch either, which is a critical point of the day where the, you know, high school kids really need to hang out. They don't need to be on their phones. And so it took a lot of years. It took a lot of pain, (laughs) but we got there and we're just so excited about it. Um, You may wonder, well, how do you ever get in touch with your son? Well, guess what? I call the front desk and I talk to the gal who's there and we know her and she can get a message and it's just no big deal. And all the times, Dr. Stacey, all the things that people think, well, there's going to be an accident. There's going to be an emergency. You know what? I've had four children. I've had them each through 12 years of school. And you add all those years together. There has never one time been a situation where something bad happened because my kids didn't have a phone. Not one time out of Absolutely. all those years. I'm not saying that that phones aren't a good tool, but if you look at the, it's like everything I do in in medicine, right? It's risks and benefits. Like everything you do in life is risk versus benefit. And as adults, our brain is developed enough that we can look at that much better than our teenagers can. And we have to realize that the risks of this are much greater than the benefit. And so let's, you know, make good decisions based on what we know is best for our kids. And um, they're going to be safe at school. You know, I mean, they're going to be fine. There are bad things that happen. And but having a phone, you know, like Dr. Like, I mean, not Dr., but um, Sergeant Gomez says all the time, he goes, that's going to make it worse. It's not going to make it better. Your kid doesn't need to be the one calling 911. That's right. That's, and you know what? Let's just give them that gift of the day. I mean, you know what? I would love eight hours without my smartphone during the day. I would just think I was on vacation. (laughs) My husband and I went on a hike on Sunday and with the place we went, there's no cell service. Cool. It was awesome. I mean, we were there, you know, for four hours and unreachable. Yeah. Um, what a concept. What a concept. Oh my God. <laughs> it feels so good. And we all yeah. need, we all need that. Well, the, the final thing, um, just from one of the posts we had, and this one is so interesting because I, I get this, um, recently I've heard this so many times, the topic of going on the eighth grade trip to DC. And um, this post said, my husband was a chaperone. The Basically what happened on this trip is the kids were all on their phones. They're all taking selfies. They're all doing all this. They missed the Capitol. They missed all the stuff they were supposed to be looking at because they were obsessed with their phones. And I've had more middle school teachers tell me about this DC trip from all over the country, different teachers, including my sister-in-law who's in Chicago. And she also does this trip and they don't allow smartphones anymore for the whole trip. They don't allow it. They, you're, you just, they tell the parents ahead of time, we're going to DC and your kid isn't going to have a smartphone. And I think that is just the most wonderful tip out there. If you're a teacher listening, it is, it is possible. And I think the kids, whether they admit it in the moment or not, appreciate that. Because oh, yeah. they can go and they can make memories with their friends and their, you know, classmates and teachers, and they're not, you know, sort of tethered. So yeah. Well, they they get a break, and see when everybody has the break, then everybody feels better. It's not like, well, I'm the only one sitting out over here. But if they are the only one, that's okay too. They can find one more person, one more friend to hang out with them. So let's review really quickly some of the solutions from today. So when we're talking about homework. 
Uh, one thing we didn't mention, but it's a huge solution is to have your kids do their homework in the same spot every day. This really helps. I learned about this from Frances Jensen, author of The Teenage Brain, and she talked about the research around how that repetition in your brain, and it makes sense, right? Um, Absolutely. It, it makes sense if they're in the same place. It helps you know, memory as well. It helps memory. And you know, uh, laptops are super portable, and that's a problem because they can go everywhere. Um, and if they do the homework, if they do their homework and I always tell my kids to do the hardest thing first, just do the hardest thing first, whatever it is, don't do that last. And we try to get their screen homework done first so then I can put them away. And I literally fold the laptops up and put them away. Now, when they were juniors and seniors in high school, they're managing that a whole lot more on their own. Um, but especially middle school, ninth grade, 10th grade, we would say, we'd make the announcement, okay, you've got an hour to get your screen homework done and then it's done. And I manage that just like a coach would manage. So think of homework as something that just the screen homework that has to get done and then get over that it doesn't go into the night for four hours. That's not right. a thing. They'll tell you that's what they're doing, but that's because they're not getting their homework done. They're doing something else. Also use textbooks as much as possible and print out. Listen, the cost of ink I know is expensive, but do it anyway. <laughs> Just when well, most of these, um, if your kid has an online textbook, the vast majority of them, you can buy a paper copy. Yeah. And if you can't buy a paper copy, I would talk to the school and ask them if they can help you figure out a way to get. Um, a lot of times our school has the copies. We have textbooks home, here in our home from mm -hmm. all their classes and they don't always lug them around because that's the other thing. Well, they're so heavy, right? Um, but then we just leave them at the house. And sometimes we get an extra te textbook so we can leave a textbook at the house. I'm mm -hmm. really big on. Yeah. A lot of textbooks you can rent like on Amazon yeah. or somewhere and it's a lot less expensive. And so that's an option as well. Yeah. So that's for the homework tips around, um, locking down your laptop. And, you know, we never did after that experience with Adam, um, after that, we never did uh, accept the school issued devices. We always made sure we could use our own and we had very like watered down laptops that had our own parental control. I don't know if that's a, if you're able to do that in all the school systems out there, but just because the school says, well, you have to have our certain thing, just investigate that a little bit. And, we liked it better when we had a little more control over the parental controls that were on our laptops and I always found a cheap one. I always found one for like, you know, $300, something pretty cheap because they're going to drop them. They're going to break them, all the things that happen, but do, do look into parental controls and there's a lot of free parental controls out there. You don't have to spend a lot of money on this. Again, suggest a no smartphone policy in your school. And we have some policies. I'll make sure they're up on the site. If they're not, we'll put them in the show notes. And then start a screen strong group of parents in your school. You know, this is a thing that you can do. You can get our course. And um, we're so excited for the student course to come out. It is just months away. We're very close. We're getting very close. And so there's a, a lot of things you can do to help educate your community. And Dr. Stacy, I think that it's, it's getting easier to talk about this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I mean, I just remember five years ago, it was so hard, but don't you think it's just getting easier because this research is getting. Yeah, so I agree with that. I mean, I think you have to be um, unapologetic for your position, yeah. you know, I mean, I think you just say, and a, a lot of parents are afraid to, to sort of broach the subject, but I think you're going to find more parents than you realize are um, aligned with you and just didn't have the courage to stand up. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you say, you know what, I want to have all the seventh graders over to my house Friday night and we're going to make pizza and we're going to, you know, play a game or whatever. And we don't allow phones. If you can just leave them at home. A lot of the parents are like, great, I'll do that. You They're know? just waiting for somebody to take the lead. Mm -hmm. And now every now and then there's going to be the family who's like, oh, well, my kid can't come to your house unless I can get in touch with them. And I encourage those parents, call me anytime, text me. I'll keep my phone on me if you need to get in touch with me. Or right. if you have a home phone, here's our, you know, landline number or whatever your particular situation is. But just to make sure they know that yeah. you know, how to get in touch with you. Let's end with a little bit of encouragement. Can you give a word of advice or encouragement to a parent who's listening, who's just feeling so defeated because, you know, they feel like they're screen strong in their home. They, they have figured out how not to have all the distractions of phones. Maybe their child doesn't have a smartphone, but then they do all that at home 
and then they get to school and, and they just feel like it's all unraveled. What, what encouragement can you offer them? Well, I like to tell parents to remind themselves that you are your child's first teacher and you've been your child's first teacher since the day they were born and you know your child. And so you know what's best for them. And so don't feel timid about talking to whatever school system your child is in. If that's a teacher, if that's an assistant principal, if that's a superintendent, and just make sure that um, that they're listening to you. Tell them about Screen Strong. Ask if you can, you know, see their technology policies. Really stand up for your kid and don't feel bad about it at all. And don't feel like, oh, my kid needs to be able to use that app or my kid needs to be able to do, you know, use that online textbook instead of the one on on paper. Don't feel bad about it. Mm-hmm. Really just stand up. And I think that at the end of the day, you'll feel proud for that. And I think you're doing a great service to your child and other kids because you're making a way for other kids after yours to have right. those benefits as well. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I love talking about education in schools. Such an important topic, but we appreciate your time and know how busy you are and always love it when you come on. So um, thank you so much. And we can't wait to have you back. I can't wait to be back. So parents, please don't throw the towel in on this topic. Don't be discouraged. Every Every hour that goes by that you are screen strong, you're, you're going to, you're doing better (laughs) than you were when you weren't. (laughs) So just don't throw the towel in. Don't get discouraged. Come over to our, our Facebook group. We are trying to get people over into the forum. We're trying to get that forum going because, you know, we don't know what's going to (laughs) happen with Facebook one day. It may go away, but um, just come to our website. Be sure and get on our mailing list too. We're, we're beefing up our e-news that we're sending out a lot, a lot more stuff every couple weeks. So be sure and get on that. But thank you for listening today. Remember that kids are not adults. They need the best chance at school. They do not need to be distracted with screens at every turn. So what's your homework? Read the book Screen School by Joe Clement and Matt Miles. They are wonderful teachers on this topic. And we also have them on our podcast. So you can look through our podcast history and find that as well. Get our Screen Strong Lifestyle course. Suggest this to your school and also be on the lookout for the student version of this course as well. We, again, are just so excited about getting that out for y'all. Remember, we are a nonprofit organization, so please consider donating to keep these podcasts coming. Remember, we've got your back, and we are here to help you remove all the screen conflicts from your home and your school. So until next time, stand up for your kids, stand out from the crowd, and stay strong. Stay strong.